Hey, 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 everybody. What's up? It's my very first, pow, my very first podcast. <clears throat> so, one of my mentors had talked about this and being able to get your story out. And, like, I get embarrassed talking in front of everybody. So, this is going to be best for me to be able to discuss hard subjects. And since I've been listening to Kim Jones, um, she gave me this suggestion. So, um, I want to go ahead and try it out. She said, don't waste time. Don't waste time. So, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it because you only have one life to live and I'm going to do it. So, bear with me if it isn't exactly perfect this time. I already had done like half, I mean, probably like five minutes worth of stuff and somebody called me and I had to stop. So, I didn't work out. Anyhow, so, today is July 1st, so 2021. And my first podcast, I want to talk about an experience I had just today. So, I got a question for you. Have you ever been in the situation where you are the celebrity... For unwanted notoriety. You may be thinking, what in the world is she talking about? I know I'm not a celebrity, honey. Okay? I'm not and never claim to be. I don't want to be. It's a lot of responsibility because, you know, people start looking up to you. And, of course, now with Kim Jones, you'll if you ever watch her, you'll know you ain't supposed to care what other people think about you. But for some reason, with my healing that I'm trying to go through right now... I still have a tendency to do that. So maybe when I get to the point where I don't care and I can walk through my mess and not be ashamed, then I will be on the other side. But right now, I'm definitely not a celebrity. Like I don't like being in front of people. I don't like getting anybody's attention because of that shame has not been completely healed yet, okay? So let's go through this. Let's just say, this is, this is my topic. Have you ever been a celebrity for unwanted notoriety? So the celebrity part is, yes, you get noticed. But it's for unwanted notoriety. So here's the thing. Have you ever been out somewhere and somebody notices you? You really don't know them. And then you start getting into an awkward conversation. It happened today. (laughs) So I had to go to the doctor. I've been having leg cramps and stuff. I'm diabetic. And I've had it for years. So it's a routine thing. But since I've been having the leg cramps, I actually went past my three-month or whatever checkup. So now I'm just trying to catch up. We had a lot of stuff going on last month. So anyway, um, I go to the doctor, we talk about my situation, she decides then she wants to go ahead and do my routine blood work, which diabetics have to do that, you know, often to find out how good your sugar's doing, if all of your levels are working out well, that sort of thing. So I'm like, okay, I've had this done, no big deal. My son went with me because like I said, I've been having these leg cramps, I've gotten to the point where sometimes when I'm walking my legs will go out from underneath me and I'm like golly they just spasm and just it's been crazy so 
I go into the phlebotomist room where they take your blood and I sit in the chair and my son sits outside in the chair waiting on me and the phlebotomist is there and she's working around asking my name, birthday, you know, the routine. And I tell her all that and I sit in the chair. Well, as I'm waiting for her to get prepared, because you gotta, you know, they gotta get all their tubes and stuff like that and look at the orders. I'm sitting there waiting. And then it just kind of struck me, you know, actually when she came over and took my blood um, after she was done and she went back over to put it in, you know, the information in the system. She said, I just got to get some stuff here and then you'll be free to go. I'm like, okay. I said, do you feel like a vampire? And she was like, I've gotten that before. People have said that to me before. I said, well, I mean, just, you know, you're drawing blood all day long. So it was just, you know, something I thought maybe you would feel like you're, but you know, it's just, it was funny to me. So she said, no, of course, that's what she does every day. And I, I did go to school for it for a little bit. And the first day I'm there, they took my blood. So, <clears throat> but it was interesting. But, um, so I'm sitting in the chair, we're chatting. Um, finally, I think it just ate at her so much. She turned to me and said, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you look so familiar. I just want to, just want to ask you. I don't want you to think I'm weird or anything. I said, okay, go ahead. She's like, was you married to a, a guy? I can't remember his name and I won't say his name for, you know, privacy purposes, but it was my ex-husband. <clears throat> and I was like, and then I said his last name. She's like, oh yeah, 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 that's him. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, I thought you looked familiar. And we went on and on and on about it, right? But see, at the time when all this started coming to the head, like the beginning, I was so nervous. First of all, as a person who doesn't like to speak about the ex-husband, you have to understand, I have been married four times. And I'm trying to heal from all the pain that I had encountered during that time and even before that in romantic relationships so it's it was something I was just like oh my gosh this is gonna be so bad how does she know me where does she know me from who is this ex you know I was so worried about it it was like I don't want to talk about this but as we get into the conversation I come to find out that her cousin is his cousin so it's his uncle married her aunt and so that's how they are they know one another and I'm like oh okay so she's known him for a while but see I didn't feel comfortable enough to talk about everything till she started telling me about how he had done this other woman and how well, not even that but that she couldn't she had to unfriend him and she had to like block him because she didn't want to see all of the drama that he kept bringing up. And I was thinking, okay, this may not be as bad as I thought it was going to be because my experience with him was like the worst. I would say it was close to the first most disruptive marriage that I've ever had. And so he had been very emotionally abusive to me and my son. And 
So it's just, it was stressful to sit here and talk to this lady. But as I went through it, and like I said, I've been going through um, some healing processes and been, like I've been proactively searching for my healing. I don't want to live worried about my past. I don't want to live thinking about the hurt because whatever I keep bringing with me, that baggage is going to still affect me in the future with any other relationships. So I've learned that. <clears throat> and because of that, you know, I've learned now that I need to pray for the ones that hurt me. Not that I'm, you know, I mean, not that I'm obligated to because I didn't. I was angry with them. Two especially. Actually three. No, all of them. <laughs> I, I've moved away from it. It's been like five years, so I'm, I'm divorced. So, but it was really, really difficult in all of my relationships. And it comes to find out it stems from like a lot farther back in my life, which I didn't know. But, and I'll probably go over that during different sessions. But today, I just wanted to see... If anybody has had this same experience where you're just like, I cannot believe they notice who I am. Like I've been on social platforms and things have happened in my past and people have said, hey, do you remember me? And I'm like, whoa, nope, I don't remember you. And evidently I made a impression on them, good or bad, in between. So, it's just really, really difficult to accept the celebrity status for unwanted notoriety. And I just want to encourage you that when you can sit there and you can discuss it. Now, I did. I could tell there was still some things that bothered me, but I was able to sit there in my shame and discuss situations with this woman because she had a personal relationship with them and knew how he was and and even has been following the new wife and him so it was really eye-opening for me because I have gotten I have started to come out of the cocoon you know what I'm saying like I'm not getting out of the swamp instead of sitting there and just looking at all this and just sitting here and saying poor pitiful me look at my crazy life and what's happened to me that keeps me from being able to do what I need to do to make my life what I want it to be if I'm so busy looking around at what I've got going on or worried about what somebody's thinking and I've just learned that I can sit in that shame and it's not been an easy, it's not been an easy journey. What I've had happen in my life, there's a lot of things and we'll talk about them. There's a lot of things that I'm not proud of and, but my life can be a testimony to someone else who has walked through the same thing. So I'm getting to the point where I don't care what you think. I'm getting to that point because I'm looking for my own well-being, my own healing. I'm learning a lot from quite a few folks. Um, Just started listening to 
uh, Rosa Jones, I think was her name. Let me look. Yep. Isn't that crazy? They're both last name is Jones. Okay. So, Ryan Lestrange has a woman on his that talks about relationships. Um, and today, today I read, or I listened to uh, their YouTube video about uh, practical ways to conquer relational dysfunction which is another thing that I'm trying to break in my life because I've had a pattern and when you start seeing a pattern happen you're wondering why oh gosh why does this always happen to me why does this always keep coming up why am I having the same problem it's because you have some dysfunction in your life and those patterns are what you're used to doesn't mean you have to stay there though because even though there's a pattern that's going on when you can recognize that there's one you can start figuring out what you need to do to become a better you another thing I'm gonna mention this because I think it's I think it's important they were talking about in this relationship I just want to kind of go over and I'll give them you know, um, notoriety over it because they are, in my opinion, celebrities and I'm like not, but if I had to suggest people now, Brene Brown is not like a Christian type of, um, I mean, she probably, I think she is, but I'm just saying that she, she's not a conformity type of thing. She's just real. And then she's one that I listen to a lot. And then Ryan Lestrange, with Rosa Jones. I haven't heard many. I'm trying to learn more about prophecy from Ryan. Um, he's an apostle. And then, see, he's got a fancy name. I don't have a fancy name. I am just me. <laughs> just Crystal. That's all I need. It's good enough. And then, um, so I wanted to mention what they talked about. Because, like I said, my... My notoriety today came from a dysfunctional relationship. So, let's go ahead and do what they said. I've made some notes here. I'm just going to go through it. I'm not going to keep you very long. I just hope that it helps you, okay? And I'd love to hear your comments. Um, I'm going to post this on my group on Facebook. Um, I don't know how much I'll do. This is my very first one. But if I get some good responses, I'll know. I just feel like I'm going to do it whether anybody likes it or not. <laughs> Because I feel like it's something I'm supposed to do. So, I think God brought me to it. So, I'm going to continue with him and do what he puts on my soul. So, um, But Ryan and Rosa had today, when I listened to their, uh, their YouTube video, Mark 12 and 31, it says the second is this. Okay, so it's, let's set the frame real quick. It's talking about when... Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, the first one was, of course, have no other gods before God. Right? And then the next one he said is this part. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So, I know a lot of times we start thinking about, okay, I need to love other people and do good for other people. What this scripture says. But at the same time, you have to read that part that it says, as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honey child, there's people who don't even know themselves. I was one of them. And I'm, that's what I'm doing now is finding out who I am. At 48 years old, I'm almost 48. At 48 years old, I'm just now finding out who I am. 
because I've been too busy trying to follow this love your neighbor as yourself. You want people to treat you good, so I'm going to treat people good type of thing. What they brought up today is that we are who we are. So, um, if, if we like who we are, or if we don't like who we are, we are who we are. The thing about it is God knows us because he created us. He knows everything about us. However, if you are too busy looking at everybody else, you can't see how you're loving yourself. You don't even know you. So that's what they talked about today. Everybody just needs to kind of slow down and take some time to get you to know yourself. And uh, let's see here. At one point, she mentioned that um, she she found times in her life when she thought she was loving well, but she was actually overgiving or overhelping or overserving, like doing too much for others. And excuse me, she made no time for herself, so she's exhausting everything that she has in herself to please others, and that's how. Christianity, a lot of Christianity, um, a lot of Christians begin to do that serve, I'll serve, I'll serve, and they don't look at, I need to serve me so I'll have something better to give from, instead of just stretching yourself completely thin and then, you know, trying to go. So, uh, she said you definitely need to slow down and get to know who you are, and she mentioned quite a few things here. Um, basically you're going to need to know your core values and I wrote some of mine down Uh, my main core value is family Um, you know of course God I'm not going to ever put anything above him but my family comes next like it is so important I want my family to be protected I want my family to be um, you know all of their needs met I want them to be happy supported um, you know respected understood like I wrote all of these things down about as a mom what do I want to be as a wife what do I want to be and I started writing down as a wife I want to be supportive loving desirable faithful respectful understanding as a mother what do I want to be I want to be supportive loving respectful understood a counselor a guide for success so these are the things that I wrote down and like I said, I'm going through the healing process myself, but I'm getting through it. It's it's getting there. I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel finally. <laughs> and it's just, it's so revealing. And it makes me happy to know that, that I'm on the right track. And the conversation with her today, with the uh, celebrity for an unwanted notoriety, when I had that brought to me today, it revealed to me that I am going in the right direction that you know even though it's lonely because this is something you're going to have to do on your own you can't bring a friend and say come on help me get through this no you have to be able to do it yourself because here's what we what I found out from Rosa Jones and Ryan Lestrange today we have issues we have issues and I've, I've seen because of me being a stepmom and and even my own child you know there are abandonment issues that some people go through because their parent one or the other or both abandoned them and so then 
they start over-functioning because they know what it's like to not have someone to be there for them. They're there for everyone else constantly. And so where does that leave them? They're, they're reaching out for people when they're hurting. They're reaching out to people when they need money. They're reaching out to people because they, they see that they have a need. And because they've been there, they're trying to over-function to help another person, which is not a bad thing. But it gets to be a bad thing when you are not setting boundaries to say, okay, I can help you to this point, but then I have to do this for me. So another thing that is, you know, something that we can struggle from is an enabler. So basically we want to make sure everybody's stuff is done right. Um, so we're not filtering things properly. We start over giving money. We start over giving chores. Like I know myself, I struggle and this is why I know I'm still healing (laughs) because I'm sitting here, I'm working a full-time job. I clean the house. I do the laundry. I feed the dog. I take the dog out and I never demand anybody to help. What does that do to me? That makes me exhausted. So the last two days, I've been like, you know what? There's dishes on the, in the sink. I think I'm just going to leave them there. Now, I'll get to them if they get too gross. But at this point, I can't be stretched so much. Somebody's going to have to step up. This is not just my calling. This is just not all me. I've got to let somebody else come in and help this situation. And they've got to see that there is a need and that they need to step out. You know what I'm saying? So by enabling them and not having them do anything, it's pulling all that from me and I'm not putting nothing back in. And then they're not getting to where they need to be because they're being pampered. Oh, there's dishes. They're already clean. I don't have to worry about it. Or I can mess up as many as I want and I don't have to care. So enabling people can be hurtful. So I learned that, um, and she mentioned this, and I never thought about this, but she said, you need to start being a steward of your time, money, and energy. Without these, you will establish in every relationship you have, you need limits. You need limits of your time, limits of your money, limits of your energy with your mama, with your daddy, with your kids, with your significant other, with siblings, whoever it is. Because if you do not have boundaries for time, money, and energy, you are going to get this. Without those limits, you will receive abuse, control, and manipulation. So, we need to start being good stewards of time, money, and energy. Now, what do we do most of now that we are, um, you know, even as you grow up, there's always in this world comparison. I want to be like her. I want her hair. I want that outfit. I want to be able to buy that and do what she does. I want to be able to go buy that truck and look like him. Or that really sounds cool and I really want to have that my car to sound like that. You know, the big muffler or whatever. I don't know. 
but you're always in a comparison situation and the thing is is that when you're looking at somebody else to be like somebody else you can't be like what God wants you to be because you're playing imitation I'm gonna be like them because that's what I think that God wants me to do right so I can't wait because I'm just now getting ready to start if I can figure out how to do it Kim is having one that says a a new podcast or something. I haven't figured out what it is yet, but I'm going to learn it um, about, let's talk about it. And it's a talk about what your purpose in life is. A lot of people have lost it. I never knew I even had one. I'm just going to be honest. I never even knew I had one. I'm just like, okay, my purpose is just to be here for everybody else. No. I need to focus on God and God will help me know what I'm supposed to do with me in my life he wants me to live happy and healthy and and all these things and if I'm not taking care of me I can't help other people I'm just saying I was in a valley for a really long time so yeah so God made us for a purpose and not to be a follower um let's see here what happens if you do try to compare with everybody else you're discontent you're tired all the time and you're wore out you have to keep up. You know what I'm saying? You're like constantly trying to keep up with the other people. <clears throat> so what do you do to correct it? She said, you got to check in. Check in with yourself. Where am I at right now in my life? What do I have in my life? And then you need to sit and think about, okay, let's do a check. Let's check in with ourselves. And that is when the Bible says... To be still and know that I am God. So being still and realizing who you are is biblical. So this thing about, you know, you can't you can't be selfish and think about yourself all the time. That's true. However, the, the Bible on the greatest commandment said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't know yourself or love yourself, then you're going to have to learn that. That comes even before the neighbor the love for you comes even before the neighbor and you need to love yourself healthy not in a bad dysfunctional relationship type of way you need to be like okay i know you're all kind of messed up i know you went through that i know you okay maybe you had a bad relationship maybe you had an abortion maybe you had a situation where You've been married like me multiple times and it doesn't look good. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you got involved as, you know, drug a drug addict and you come from that and you're healing from that and you're still not all the way through, but you're working at it and you know that you've got to make some changes. Like all these things that you know you need to change when you have that quiet time with God He will help you reflect on that and help you realize that he wants better for you because then you're not putting all of everybody else's needs ahead of yours. You're not putting your needs ahead of yours at this point. You're talking to the Lord. You're waiting on him. You're listening to see what he wants from you. It says here, intimately be aware of yourself. That is so good. It's not being selfish. Intimately be aware of yourself and what your purpose is because God empowered each person and gave us a free will and 
We cannot be controlled by comparison or we can't say, well, I'm stupid because mom said I was stupid or dad said I was stupid or my kids talk really mean to me. You can't live your life like that. You have to be independent and have quiet time and say, you know what? What is, what am I really? Where am I at? What do I have? And then whatever you're having a challenge with, invite the spirit of God in and say, hey, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. And it's true. Like I have found just in this last year trying to do the healing. I was almost ashamed to tell people that I was Christian. Not that I'm ashamed of Christianity or being a child of God. I'm not. But because there's so many contra so much controversy. That's the word. So much controversy about religions or beliefs and you know all the different things, Buddhism, Muslim, um, Wiccan, you know, all these different things. And where I work, you know, there are lots of folks who have a different view than me. And I feel like that maybe they believe that Christians want to push their belief on someone. And I never wanted to do that. And so just this year through my healing I have realized that, you know, those people have their beliefs and they believe that and they they trust in that and that's their life. That's them, right? That This is me learning to love me. So by accepting this and saying to myself, okay, I, I'm not pushing it on anyone. I never have pushed it on anyone. I never want to make somebody change their mind because I'm telling you right now, God's big enough. In my opinion, if he wants you to know or he wants you to think differently, he's going to do it. He ain't going to make me come at you at all. I don't have to do that. So, through the year, you know, this the end of this year, this past year through the pandemic, um, I finally realized that I can be proud to say that I'm a Christian because other people are proud that they're a Muslim or that they're Wiccan or that they're they you know that they're a witch or whatever they're proud of their belief I'm proud of mine too it doesn't mean just because I believe the way I do does not mean that I believe you have to change it has nothing to do with you it's my belief so that's why I was like you know what yeah that's that's me I'm a Christian I love God and I'm going to continue to worship him not be ashamed of him like I'm sorry. From now on, if I ever offend you and you're not a believer, I'm sorry. I will try to apologize, but I'm convicted by God that I will not hide my belief or my concerns about what I believe because you don't believe the same way, which is what I was doing before. So she mentioned about getting into a quiet place. I'm going to do that when we get done. And uh, Kim said to worship. Stop thinking it. She was so funny, y'all. I'm just saying, like, it's just, I can't wait to start getting into her stuff because Jenny Weaver was awesome. She helped me start the process for healing. And, you know, I, I've grown quite a bit with her, and I still listen in on her cast and stuff. But now that Aaron, my friend from church, said, uh, you know, your shirt looks like Kim Jones or something. I don't remember how it all worked out, but I checked her out when I got home. And, uh... I like her. She's fiery. I don't know her backstory. I got a lot to learn on this one, and I'm going to dive into it too, but she's she's making a lot of sense to me. I like how she's straight up about it. Now, she gets a little 
you know, <laughs> a little, um, in self, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, y'all, it's just probably like me, it probably is a lot like me, and that's probably why I'm like, uh, yeah, I never heard nobody do that before, <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm gonna end this, because I don't want to go too far, 35 minutes should be fine, but, um, let's just say this, this is the last part that they mentioned before I had to go to my appointment. Um, when we slow down, we exchange our pain and everything that we go through and give it to him. Because the Bible says that. All ye that are heavy laden and burdened, you know, let's change yokes or something like that. Read it. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Um, but it also says in there to be still and know that I am God. In this world, what we do is if we're having a hard time and we're having something stop us because we're trying to get more money for this or we're trying to be more successful with school and we feel like we're not doing enough or, you know, uh, the relationship's falling apart and we push harder to make it better or we fight more because we don't understand why it's falling apart. Like, everybody tries to do more when things get bad. But the problem is, that's not the answer. The answer is to rest. When we rest, that means we trust God. We trust Him and believe that our God is going to work out everything on our behalf. It's considered an active obedience. It is not our plan, our money, our time, or our energy. Find solitude, silence, and Sabbath, she said. And she also mentioned a book, which I'm going to read it first before I mention it here. So that way I know what direction she's going with on this. So guys, I know this has been crazy, (laughs) kind of everywhere. But you got to start somewhere, right? You got to live each day to the fullest. And I feel like this was something that the Lord dropped in my spirit. Just, you know, I think he gives you little nuggets every day. So again, have you ever been a celebrity of unwanted notoriety? Yes, I believe everybody in the world has had an experience where you don't really want to know why people know you when they meet you out somewhere. But I believe if you get to the point where you can have that conversation, you're in the healing process. Just hang in there. Keep doing what you're doing. God bless you. And you guys will see you around. Merry go round. Take care. I may have to re-record this after this time. I'm going to try not to delete it because I keep, I feel like it needs to be saying. And this is like the sixth or seventh time. I might have to go back if it doesn't sound right this time. And I'm going to have to write the chords down because I keep messing up. There is an endless song that goes in my soul. I hear the music ring. And though the storms may come, I am holding on to the rock of God I cling. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your I know I am
his worship and I was thinking about that and how he had brought the ark back from I don't remember Shiloh or something like all over the country the ark had been scattered because the people of Israel had been scattered so he brought um, the ark of God back to the tabernacle and um, <clears throat> It talks about how he danced so fervently in worship that his outer clothes fell off. So, that was pretty pretty good worship there. And you know, I think people don't really understand the full effect of worship. Because 
basically in paradise God had had an intimate relationship with Adam and Eve he came and sat with them in the evening and talked to them and they they were very close and so our relationship with God is sort of the same thing and you know what people think okay worship is you know singing and praising God and doing all this and you know up until today I kind of think yeah that's what it is but I do want to mention this worship to God is basically anything that you do to that's a sacrifice to him or to your neighbor so just for instance there's moms who sacrifice um, pain to have a baby so you know that's sort of a way of worship too is because you're sacrificing self for the birth and the life of another person and it's so deep I know I'm sorry but I, I mean you can go as far as to like say if someone calls you up and sacrifices their time to see how you're doing that's worship and we try to just restrict worship as something that if we don't sing we ain't gonna do it <laughs> you know what I mean but honestly whatever you do all day long could be a form of sacrifice to God and that is what is amazing because I know people who <laughs> I just can't get over it who just uh, say things like I hope I make it to heaven and they're the people who have helped others when no one else would or <clears throat> they're so approachable that they can <clears throat> they can help someone and I mean on a regular everyday basis I've seen people who are terrified that they aren't gonna make it to heaven but yet they sacrifice themselves every day to help someone else it's amazing and to me that's a worship that's that's worshiping God and being what he's told us to do in his commandments love our neighbor as ourselves, and and I think it honors him and worships him when we do things for other people I've had times <clears throat> when I was just like I don't want to wash these dishes but then I think in myself I'm being a servant a servant of God to my family and to my friends and whoever it is that may be over for the evening for dinner or whatever and so it's pretty amazing that now I've thought of everything you do you do because um, the Bible even says that too everything you do do unto the Lord and it's worship that's what I found is it's worship so whatever you do if you work and you work well and you do well and you and you represent God well and you know everything going to the grocery and being kind to somebody that you really want to run over it's so good I mean that's you're actually having an intimate time with God because you're allowing him to change your heart 
and I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm not saved, but yet goodness flows out of them constantly. I'm sorry, guys, but this world, if you ain't looked around or seen enough, just get on the news and watch the news a little bit and see what kind of bad, mean things can happen. If you've got goodness in you, God is in your spirit. Period. And you, in everything that you do every single day, is worshiping God. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's the truth. So, I just say to all of you who still doing good and you don't know anything about Jesus, you don't know anything about God, honey, he has poured into you and... And I also found out, too, that worship sometimes helps you break through things that you have not been able to get through on your own. So you've been fighting a battle? Stand up and start thanking God. Stand up and start saying, Lord, I don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know what's going on. I'm very upset about what's happening, and I need you. I need you to come into my life and fix this. I can't do it on my own. I mean, I know I've had some prayers like that before. So, I'm going to go to church this Sunday. Oh, I forgot. I've got a birthday party this Sunday. So, I won't be going this weekend. But you better believe I'm going to find me some way to get into church. I might go to church and then go to the birthday party. <laughs> Actually, if I think about that, because I can be there at least an hour and then... The birthday party is probably going to be an all-day thing because it's a pool party. You know what I'm saying? So, we're probably going to go and go to church and then go after. So, that might be my plan. I want to go to church. I don't want to miss out. I hate missing it. I don't feel right. The rest of the week is just not a good week if I miss church. And the reason is, is not because of the people. I mean, I love the people. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing my church family because you know why? They're they're heavenly family. They're heavenly family and we're going to see them on the other side. And I, I love going to church. But I mostly want to go because I want to go and freely worship with the Lord openly in front of other people and feel the presence of God. It's so amazing, y'all. I mean, you know how you go to a basketball game or a football game, and I mean, you watch the players, and say, like, I remember going to a Louisville Marquette game. I'm not a Louisville fan anymore, y'all, but I went to this game. It's been quite a few years back, and I'm cutting potatoes, by the way, for supper, but, um, it was crazy because um, at the very end of the game, like I'm trying to video it, right, with my camera. So this is a nice little camera that I got, and I was like, okay, I'm going to video this because I've never been that close to the game before. I mean, I was pretty close to everything that was going on. It's like, this is going to be pretty awesome. So it's crazy because... I don't remember what happened, but everybody in the whole stadium was standing up watching these players. <coughs> and something happened. 
where the other team got the ball. And they took the ball and was running down and then got turned over again. It was like back and forth, back and forth. And you should have seen the excitement from all the people in the stadium. They were just standing up, screaming, yelling. Oh, my gosh, we couldn't believe it. I mean, they just get so excited over a basketball game. And (laughs) I wound up, like, between... My husband at the time and the guy that sat next to us, because we had gotten these from um, these tickets from some, what do you call those people that have them year round? I don't remember the name. I'm not a big, I'm not a big uh, game fan. But anyway, season holders, season holders or whatever, season ticket holders. And so we got the tickets from them. So we were really close. I think we were like S down towards the bottom. And so it was very exciting. And the person next to us was like pushing his shoulder in or elbow into my shoulder. My husband was doing something crazy. I don't remember. So they were both kind of squishing me. I wound up throwing the camera up in the air. I got the video of everything, but afterwards they went completely crazy. My camera flew up in the air. I don't know how, but I caught it. It was pretty amazing. But. That's the crazy thing. If you can imagine what worship's going to be like in heaven, oh honey, I'm practicing. When I go to church, I I do. I get into it. Up like that. Because it's practice for me. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be worshiping the Lord. Ooh, it's going to be good. And all the freedom to worship however I want to. Gosh, it's going to be amazing. Amazing. But right now, with worship, I get to feel the Spirit of God when I'm worshiping. I get to talk to Him. I feel like I'm right there in His presence. I remember the first time I got my speaking in tongues. They were wondering when it was ever going to happen. <laughs> and I was told that because it took so long for me to get speaking in tongues, that I was going to probably have multiple tongues and he was speaking lots of different tongues and so that happened but I just remember I prayed to God I sat down and we were at church and we were in the children's in the sanctuary the children were having their church that night was on Friday night and I remember being by myself while the you know worship was going on with the kids or something and I just started to speak in tongues to the Lord as if I was having a conversation with my very best friend in the whole universe um and it was like I was just like God I just you know this is how I felt my my words were coming out and I don't know what I was saying but I know my feelings were Lord I just don't know what I'm supposed to do to get closer to you but I want to be closer to you and the whole time I'm speaking in tongues speaking in tongues to God and these are the feelings that I felt that night I just want to be closer to you God can you see that I'm wanting this so bad you know I want this more than anything I want to be intimate with you so that was the feeling that I had with my very first situation with speaking in tongues it wasn't out where everybody could see it it was very intimate and 
I still feel like that whenever I pray in tongues now. I feel like it's very intimate. I have had occasions where I would speak in tongues out and give interpretation, but I like the intimate one where it's just me and him. And that's why I said I wrote the song to my audience of one because it's truly how I feel. I am madly and deeply in love with God because he is so wonderful. He is who created me I mean there it's a it's a feeling so much more than what you could have with your lover or with your companion your husband your wife it's so much more than that because nobody can do anything like God does it so I'm just saying this is my version of worship tonight I felt like I should get on and say that because the Everything good and uplifting comes from God. And so no matter how you worship, whether it's cooking a, a bunch of cookies for the grandkids or for your husband or um, taking doing the grass for a neighbor because they can't get out and do it, you are showing God. You are worshiping God through that. So guys, keep worshiping. In everything you do, let God's hand be what's seen in your life let him live through you and keep doing good i love you guys thanks again for listening to the podcast i want to say i appreciate you very much and i will see you around the merry-go-round good night my podcast this is crystal montgomery and this one is going to be about emotional and verbal abuse i'm reading a book uh verbal and emotional abuse victory over verbal and emotional abuse by june hunt and i love this book like i have been like i've still got a little bit more to go but this is where i've hinged a lot of my beginning of healing from it talks about the definitions of emotional abuse verbal abuse and brainwashing uh, characteristics of verbal and emotional abuse uh, causes of abuse and then steps to solutions so I'm practically two steps of solution so I believe it's given me a lot of insight um, let's go ahead and talk about the definition of these all right, what is emotional abuse? Emotional abuse is the unseen fallout of all other forms of abuse. Physical, mental, verbal, sexual, and even spiritual abuse. People often minimize the importance of emotions. Yet, with deeply wounded people, their feelings can be the driving force behind their choices. The life-sustaining element of their very being. Emotional abuse strikes at the very core of who we are, crushing our confidence, wearing away our sense of worth, and crushing our spirit. Let's move on to the next one I mentioned. What is verbal abuse? Verbal abuse is a form of overt emotional abuse. Um, Basically, a skillful woodsman wields his weapon carefully, chopping repeatedly 
on a precise spot until the targeted tree falls. This lumberjack takes pride in controlling himself and his weapon, never striking a careless blow. Likewise, a verbal abuser uses his tongue as a weapon to hack away at another person. This abuser is skilled in his ability to strike a blow, wielding words that will cut the heart and soul. Let's move on to the next one it mentions. What is brainwashing? Many prisoners of war have succumbed to brainwashing, an effective tactic used in psychological warfare. This term refers to systematic forcible indoctrination that puts pressure on prisoners to relinquish their beliefs and accept opposing beliefs. Unfortunately, you don't have to be a prisoner of war in a prisoner of war camp to be brainwashed. Your captor could be a significant member of your own family or a new set of acquaintances. In whatever circumstances brainwashing occurs, the damage can be devastating, systematically wearing away your sense of self-worth and confidence, causing you to distrust your, distrust yourself and even to lose touch with reality. Um, I, I believe in brainwashing, it could be, I learned a lot about gaslighting. So as you might have heard on my first podcast, I have multiple marriages. One of them that was pretty devastating, I was gaslighted a lot. And he told me, and, and I was sexually abused in that relationship as well. Um, he wanted to have a swingers relationship with multiple partners. And I was devastated that he would even ask that in our marriage. And the whole time he's trying to persuade me, you know, well, your your mom and dad could be doing it, you know. Um, everybody could be doing it. You don't know. That's such a private thing. How do you know they aren't doing it? How do you know they're not a part of it? So, it was a tactic that he used to get his way and manipulate me. Um, you've got verbal abusers. I had a sibling who consistently verbally abuses me um, basically such as you know you should move in this area and then I said I don't want to move in that area because I might see my ex and then instead of you know letting that go they continued and said which one like you know because I'm under her I, I shouldn't have said you know that I don't want to see my ex well you know, that's something that she crossed the line. She shouldn't have done that, and it would have been better if she had not have done that. Um, but, you know, we move on, we progress, and I pray for her, and hope she prays for me. We're still working on that relationship. Uh, let's see. Um, here's another thing. People often minimize the importance of emotions. Like I was saying, and this has been all my life, because what happened to me in 1996 in a relationship I was in, he, it was my first experience, I believe, with abuse to this degree. I was taken against my will to Florida and 
So the night before, um, I'll just lay it on the line. He basically had been doing crack. He had been taking pills and he was drinking the night before. And he, it was my apartment and he had, um, basically came in or was, we were all there, me and my cousin and her husband were there and we were playing cards or something at the table. And I believed at the time I wasn't saved, so I was drinking, but I didn't do drugs. I didn't like them. They made me feel crazy, so I didn't do it. So I believe the other ones were all doing that. And something happened, and he just turned totally different. His eyes even, like, turned black. And he looked at me, and he said, it's always your fault. It's always you. And I was like, what? Like, I was dumbfounded. I was like, what is going on? Well, then my female cousin gets up and she's like, what? And like, she gets in the middle of it and her and him start fighting. And I'm like trying to, I don't think cell phones were out at the time. It was like 1996. I mean, pages were probably out, but that's it. So I went outside and was trying to go over to use somebody's phone. We were pretty poor. I mean, it was my first apartment. Um, we went, I went next door to use the phone I was terrified of him. Like, I had already seen him beat this dude so bad in the parking lot of a bar. He stepped on his head. He hospitalized him. And so I was terrified of him. So I didn't want no part of that. But my cousin, she was brave, man. I'm telling you, she was brave. And so I found myself, because I went over to the neighbor's house, you know, his apartments. She did not want to let me in. And I just said, well, can you at least please call the police? Because I was, like, trying to get help there. I mean, I don't know if my cousin's husband jumped in or anything. I know the apartment was demolished by the time this was all over with. So, evidently, he left. And then when I went back up there, or the police came, then I went back up there. And my cousin said, he's gone, you know, why don't you come over to my house and stay the night? And I was like, okay. And I said, I want to go down there and put an EPO on him. So... We went down, and I put an EPA warning that night. And then the next day, he brings my car to her house. Like, he drove my car to her house. And so, we are in the bedroom, because he's wanting to talk to me. Um, and I didn't like that. I was scared of him, too. But I was not going to take it anymore. I was like, I'm done with this relationship. And so my cousin, it was her house. I was in her bedroom talking to him. And he's like, I've got to leave. I just, I need to go. Because I told him, I said, I put an EPO, EPO on you. And he'd already had a previous situation in his life where he'd been in jail. And so he had a previous felon and uh, felony. And so he uh, said, I'm just going to go back to Florida. I got to leave here. I don't want to go back to jail, that kind of thing. And I was like, okay. I said, that's good, because I'm moving back with my mom. I'd already talked to them. They already said I could, and so everything was going to work out. And so we wound up taking my car back. Me, I think my friend was with me. Like, I was never really left alone except for at that moment that I can remember of him, you know, and me being alone. But then the crazy thing happened everybody left like nobody was around us and we were at the apartment I was trying to clean it up and get ready to get my stuff together and move to my mom's 
the police show up to serve him the papers because I don't know of any other place he would be living except for where I'm at. So the police came there. I'm so terrified of him. I lied to the police and told them that he wasn't there, but he was actually hiding in the closet. And I played it off. Oh, so nonchalant. Oh, it's okay. I'm the one that put the EPO out on him. He was saying he's not here. So, excuse me. So I really played it off well. And so, needless to say, when they left, and he was sure that they left, he's like, we gotta go. We gotta go now. Come on, come on. And he wanted me to go with him and take him to Florida. And of course, because I was super terrified of this man. I mean, you could look at the apartment and see why I was terrified of this man. Um, we get in the car and we drive down all the way down 65. We go through Valdosta, Georgia. We go to Atlanta. We go to Tampa. I don't even know. I, I know we went on I-95, so wherever that takes you. And the whole way there, I'm thinking to myself, I will never see my family again. I will never see my nephews grow up. I will never see, like, I was so depressed and so upset. I just knew I was not coming back alive. And so then we get down there. I mean, even on the way, like, the tire went flat. I remember that. And... I don't remember if we ever did anything else except maybe get another, maybe we just plugged it or something. I don't remember all of it. I, like I said, this has been a long, long time ago, so I don't know everything. I don't remember everything, but we get down there for five days, living in my car. Uh, the whole time I'm on the phone with my parents, like when they start talking to me and I start getting emotional, like I already knew, you know what I'm saying? This was not good. And they, I, he told me to tell them I'm on vacation with him. We're just on vacation. It's no big deal. You know, and the whole time he's like not within three feet of me. The whole, I mean, he never left me the whole time we were there. Except the only way I, I had to sell my blood just to eat. I mean, I didn't take my purse. I didn't take anything. This was not planned. You know what I'm saying? If I was going on vacation, I'd be bringing me some stuff that I could at least have money. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't. So, my mom and them, when I wasn't, they didn't really know where I was for, I guess, like three days it took us to get down there. And so, they put me on the missing persons. And so, um, we wound up uh, living in the car. And then the last night that we were down there, and this is South Miami Beach, there's like a, a huge road that goes across the ocean to get to South Miami Beach. I'd never been down there before, so it was really scary to me. I remember the night that I finally was able to leave. Um, the night before, we had went to a bar or something, and I think he had met somebody there. And so then the next night, he's like, I'm going to go find somebody to take care of us. Okay. I mean, I'm not in any place to argue with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am somewhere I don't know. I don't have anybody to lean on. I don't have, like, it was very, very scary. And so he took off and went back to the bar. I'm sitting in the car, and there's drug deals going on right next to me. And, like, through the window of this apartment, 
I'm hiding at this point underneath in the back seat of the car with newspapers over me so that they don't see me. Then all of a sudden in my mind it came to me the keys are in the ignition. Now the whole time I'd been down there he would not let me have them. But when I realized that that was the moment I climbed over the seat I turned it on I looked around to see if he was there but I knew I could lock the doors and he couldn't get in anyway it was when I remembered those keys were in the car locked doors they were already locked I started that car and I was like I'm out of here and I had everything that we had taken was in the car so I left him there with nothing but the clothes on his back I felt so guilty and I felt for sure if he ever found me he would kill me and so I went as far as I could go and then I started to run out of gas I tried to steal gas but again that's not something that's in me and I can't like I couldn't do it so I wound up going over to Kroger it was really early in the morning and um, whenever I went in they was the Western Union hadn't opened or something it was too early and uh, so I called my mom and I told her what was going on. You know, I want to come home. Just send me some money and I'll be able to make it home. But I needed some money from ga- for gas because I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it the way he did it. So she was like, okay, what I will do is I'll send you some money and then we're coming to get you. We don't want you to travel by yourself that distance. And I said, okay. So they put me up at a Holiday Inn. The whole time I'm there alone. I'm on the phone with my sister and my best friend and I'm like talking to them just as it starts getting darker I'm like he's gonna find me I just know he's gonna find me like the the fear was overwhelming and so I remember when they arrived I mean my dad got a ticket like five miles from where I was because he was driving like super fast to try to get to me and um when I remember when they came th- out of the elevator to the floor that I was on because they told me that they were there or they called up from the desk or something. I tell you, I said, this must be exactly what heaven's going to be like whenever it, that happens because I just could not believe I was going to ever see their faces again. It was so awesome. And I'm fortunate because statistics probably say that you would never be seen again. You know what I mean? Um, It was a pretty scary time in my life. And when I came back, the EPO was still active. And since he was in Florida and I told him all the situation, I lost my job. I had to prove all this stuff happened. I mean, it was horrific. So being able to survive that was a miracle in my mind. So... I thank God for it. I know I had to come to Jesus because I almost drowned in the ocean while I was down there. Uh, I got caught in a riptide. I don't know if you know what that is, but look it up. It's kind of like a big circle of water that's like a big whirlpool type of thing. And it pulls you out to sea. Well, it had pulled me. I was going like one way and it kept pulling me the other way. And there was a big rope that went from the beach where the you know lifeguard should have been (laughs) there was a rope that went from there all the way out I don't know where it went to out in the sea but that's what actually stopped me from being pulled out to sea 
um, it grabbed underneath my arm. My arm got stuck on it, and my feet were swept out from underneath of me. And every time a wave came in, I would go under with this rope, like the rope was under the water. So, and when the waves would go down, then I could breathe again. But I kept, you know, it kept coming in, kept coming in, kept coming in. Waves and waves and waves kept coming in and bashing up against my body. The abuser, the kidnapper, came over and helped me get up. So, you know, those are the kind of things that narcissists will do. They'll, they'll help you. They'll do what they can because they want to be able to preserve their their victim they want to preserve them because they need them to supply things supply needs for money food they need to supply things for you know emotional satisfaction things like that and um, so this guy helped get me out there but I remember when I got on the beach after that happened to me trying to get grasp you know gasp for air and get myself back together I sat on the beach and just talked to God and I wasn't even attending church um, I just I thought thank you for not letting me die you got to have a purpose for me so and that's been years ago and I've been through more problems <laughs> so um, this will probably be how I testify and tell people about my story I hope it blesses you um, I'll get back to the book real quick. See if there's anything in here to talk about now. So, as you can imagine, all of these things, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and physical abuse, uh, brainwashing, you know, you've got the intimidation that was involved in my life, the isolation where, you know off by yourself kind of thing uh-uh I don't want that <laughs> don't don't isolate me everybody has the right own free will to do as they please and no other person should control you for that that's about like the um, this here it says in the brainwashing many prisoners of war have succumbed to brainwashing an effective tactic used to in psychological warfare the, this term refers to a systematic forcible indoctrination that puts pressure on prisoners to relinquish their beliefs and accept opposing beliefs. Unfortunately, you don't have to be a prisoner of war to be brainwashed. Your captor could be a significant member of your own family or a new set of acquaintances. In whatever circumstances brainwashing occurs, the damage can be devastating, systematically wearing away your sense of self-worth and confidence, causing you to distrust yourself and even to lose touch with reality. Yeah, I'm going to go over this more. Um, I was doing uh, typing up things to put into uh, my Facebook group, but I'm going to do podcast, I believe, because it's a lot easier and I don't have to type and do all of that stuff. Hopefully you guys are getting something from this, but you know, if you're not, you can feel free to message me and tell me your opinions. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, encouragement would be good for me if you can do that. If not, I understand, you know, people may not like what I'm saying. I understand everybody has their own opinions. I will honor and you know, respect your views. 
Uh, let me just mention these verbal and emotional abuse uh, words that hurt. Attacking a person's uh, identity. You are inherently wrong. You are intrinsically bad. Yelling, shut up, or you look awful, or you stupid idiot, or you crazy fool. You're worthless. You're disgusting. I wish you were never born. I should have had an abortion. You can't do anything right. Get lost. You'll never amount to anything. You're hopeless. Instead, these are the words that you should be saying. You did something wrong. You did something bad. Or, please listen, we need to talk about and then fill in the blank. Let's talk about what might be more appropriate for you to wear. Or, um, you are good at and you have positive qualities, like you're encouraging people. Those are the healing words that you want to use. Uh, your life has tremendous value. I can see areas where you have much appeal. Um, putting a positive picture of the past. I was glad the day you were born. I knew God had a special purpose for you when you were born. A positive picture of the present. You do a lot of things right. You'll always have a home in my heart. A positive picture of the future. God has a wonderful plan for your life and a huge future and hope for you. So let's just look at some, um, oh my goodness, they've got tons of them in this book. You guys need to get this book. It's really good. Methods of sabotage. Like there's a ton of different things in here because like, not everyone sits around and thinks up things to do or maybe even like like I, I've realized that I'm not the person that can be mean it's just not built in me like I can't be mean on purpose and just now if we're joking around or if I feel like that you're attacking me yes I can definitely come out with something but it ain't gonna be as good as yours because I'm not good at it it's not my thing <laughs> <laughs> that's when I have to be like, Lord, you hear this, don't you? You see what's going on, right? So that's kind of how I handle everything whenever I get attacked. But um, it's just not worth it because emotionally, I'm not at a place that I can hurt people like that. And I wouldn't want to have to deal with that and looking at myself in the mirror knowing that I did it to somebody that I'm supposed to love. So, yeah. Okay, guys, I'm not going to take any more of your time. It's already been 25 minutes. The other one was like 35. I'm going to try to do everything I'm supposed to, like add, you know, music, I think. It says add a flag. I don't know what that is. We're going to try it too. <laughs> and then I got to publish it. So you guys have a wonderful day, evening, morning, weekend, whatever you're into. Live in the moment. Enjoy the gifts of the present, okay? Enjoy the gifts of the present. Don't look forward. Don't look behind. Look at the gift you have right now in the present. You guys have a wonderful day and an evening. Um, see you around. Merry go round.
Hello everyone. I just wanted to touch base before I get ready to begin my work day. <clears throat> so I hope everyone has gotten a chance to listen to my testimony. And I am going to basically go through uh, on my podcast like different things. Maybe things that are going on today that I've been challenged with. Or maybe I will revisit some of the pain. Um, Now that I've been able to process that and feel the emotions of some of the issues and kind of face it, right? Um, I think I can talk about it more. And so I just wanted to uh, do a quick one, quick podcast today to tell you that I truly appreciate you giving me time. Your time is precious and valuable, and I know that it is. And I just feel like that my purpose is to try to help other people even either prevent these things from happening in their life or to help those who are struggling to it. And I also would love to hear from mentors who can understand the challenges that I've faced and, you know, people will be so judgmental, especially when you're in an abusive relationship and you continue to choose the same type of people. And I'll be honest with you, I've even chose the same type of people as friends. It's just not healthy. So, you know, you've got to make some changes in your life. So that you can live your best life. Like, I'm so jealous of people that says, I'm living my best life. Well, I'm getting there. I wasn't there before at all. I was miserable. I hated to look in the mirror. Uh, been working. That was my dog. I've been working on, um, that's baby girl. She's my girl. She's been with me through most of my issues within the last five or six years, and that's been the healing process, so just realizing that there was a problem, you know. It all started in 2017, my healing process, and I'll go into that when I have more time, but I just, I wanted to take today and thank you, because I know through this adventure, lots of people are like, I don't have time to listen to your issues. I understand. I really do, and I feel like that, you know, people will think like that, but there are also people who say, I needed to hear that. I needed to know that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only one who has been alienated from my family, or I'm not the only one who's been alienated from my friends, and this is a turning point to bring you back to your best life. So, that's where I am, and it's a journey, and I'd I'd like to take you along with me. Um, I'm praying that, you know, better things are ahead. I think I'm going to be making better choices and addressing things more, because before, I did never, I never addressed issues. I just was totally a passive. Like, problems that happened made me freeze. When things occurred and I got upset, I froze. Work family, school, my whole life. And so that is why I'm so adamant about I'm going to do this. And I don't feel like it's something that I'm doing to embarrass anyone or embarrass my family because honestly, this reflects on me. And I had someone tell me before, when it's out there, it's out there and you can't take it back. You know what? 
this part of my life, I want everybody to know. Because I'm getting better. I'm not stuck anymore. So, I pray that you will have a wonderful day. Whatever's going on in your life, know that it's not all in your control. And God's got you. He's watching over you. He's going to take care of your issues. When you think things are falling apart, they're actually falling into place. You don't have to control everything. You don't have to juggle everything just right. So, I want you to be inspired today. Have a wonderful day, evening, morning, wherever you are in your day. I really, truly appreciate it. And I will see you guys around on this thing we call life. It's like a merry-go-round. Have a good day. Hello, my podcast family. So, I've got some stuff on my mind I want to talk about today. And I just want to make it perfectly clear. I just want to do this in general because I don't want to point nobody out, okay? But there's some judgy people in this world. Whether or not you are saved or not, honey, you need to realize if you are a judgment person or not. And if you're judging other people and they judge you, you ain't got no right to say nothing. I know plenty of people who've been judging me lately who has a lot of judgment on their lives as well. Maybe that's why they're picking at me. But anyway, I just want to mention, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I didn't come in this world perfect. It took me 30 years to become perfect, so I ain't even going to get that right. You see what I'm saying? To even become safe. So I'm not going to get that right. So don't be putting those high expectations on how you think I should act. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to impress any man, for that matter. The only one I'm trying to impress is the Lord God Almighty. And this is something I feel like has to be addressed. So, people have known me some all my life. People have known me from high school. People have known me from elementary school. People have known me from my shakies days. And I was a party animal. I drank. I did what every other young 20-year-old person would do. Because guess what? I'm no different than anybody else. And I didn't go to church then. I didn't get saved until uh, 2003. And... So, I mean, you know, I was, I told folks, you know, when I was going to the Baptist church that I was saved, but it was a struggle. Like I didn't keep God in my life every day. I didn't talk about God every day. I didn't have prayer every day. I didn't do anything that would indicate that I was saved from my high school years when I was in a Baptist church school until I got to a Pentecostal church and actually got filled with the Holy Ghost, that's when I knew I was actually saved. October 19th, 2003 is my new birthday. That's how I look at it. So let me tell you this. I want to mention this too because, you know, everybody's got all these high expectations about a Christian. We are just like anybody else. We have the same desires. 
we have the same uh, struggles. I was a smoker. I quit smoking quite a few times in my life. And most of the time, it was because I was able to get my mind changed about it and change everything that I looked at. Because here's the thing. When you want to quit smoking, you got to change your habits. you got to stop hanging around with Joe Blow over there that goes out and smokes every break or that goes out and has a drink every night or every weekend. you got to stop hanging around those people. you got to change your habits. And if you ain't willing to do that, then don't expect to stop smoking. I promise you, if you're around it, you're going to be tempted and you're going to do it. You are human. That's what everybody should see, is that we're, there's no, there's no, oh, you're a Christian now, or you're a Christian then, and now you should be different. No, I'm still struggling with the same issues. I have to rely on the Lord for a lot, a lot of my down, downfalls or my shortcomings. That's the word I'm in for, shortcomings, because I have them. I'm like any other human. It says in the Bible that that good and bad will fall on the just and the unjust. So it means there's no difference. In fact, a sin is no different than any other sin. I, I, the only difference, because the world ain't changed from day one. And you can read throughout the Bible that there were wonderful, great, godly men and women who failed? The one I'm thinking of most of all is David. David and Goliath. If you know that story from your childhood or from any time in your life when you were told about it, he was God's chosen king for his people. Chosen. I mean, he had the worst end of the deal altogether. The poor kid, his father hated him. Didn't like him at all. Sent him out in the fields to be the sheep herder and watch over the sheep. He was the shepherd boy. And he, when the other older boys, he was like the youngest. So when the older boys were all out fighting in the war for King Saul, because, you know, Israel decided that that was going to be the best option for them was to get this really tall, huge, rustic man who could do a lot of war, blah, 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 you know be able to whoop some tail real good. They wanted a big guy. David wasn't a big guy. He was a little guy. And he whooped Goliath. And do you know the day that that happened? None of the brothers, none of the older brothers, none, I mean, none of the people who had been criticizing him were able to defeat the giant. Okay? They weren't. Because of why? They were scared. They didn't trust God. They didn't believe in God. These are God's people fighting against another bunch of people. And uh, so the brothers, even when he goes down, because his dad goes and takes him from the field and says, Hey, your brothers need to have lunch. Take this to them. They're in battle. So all the older brothers are standing there. And when David goes into that uh, village, he sees... All of them are hunkered down and hiding because they're terrified of the giant. The giant's making fun of them, calling them names, telling them that their God's never going to be able to defeat their God. Just going on and on and on. And nobody stands up but this little ruddy man, David. And he wasn't even a man at that point. He was a young man. And he said, 
what are y'all doing? He was like freaking out. Like, I can't believe y'all are just standing here listening to this and letting this happen. And so, you know, the brothers was like, why are you here? We know you. You're here for some kind of glory. You want to be glorified. You know, they kept thinking that he was trying to show out kind of thing. And so he's like, I'm, I'm here and I can't believe you guys are doing the way you're doing and not going to fight this man. Y'all bigger than me. And, um, so they're like, you know, what do you want to watch? You want to, you want to fight him? Come on, we'll, we'll get you there. They took him to King Saul. King Saul said, here, if you're going to do it, that's great. I'll give you my daughter and I'll give you tax free for your entire family for the rest of your life. And he was like, I wasn't expecting that, but okay. So he was going to get a wife out of the deal after they done, you know, nobody else wanted to kill him. He hadn't killed him yet, but this is all the things that the king told him he would give him. Plus, the king was like, oh, let me help you out. I'm going to give you my armor. The king gave him his armor. Woo, that just got to be like a real big, huge thing right there to me. It's like the king could have killed that giant all by himself, but he didn't. Instead, he let this little kid do it. And he tried to give him his armor because he felt bad because he couldn't do it. <clears throat> anyway, so David says, I can't wear your your stuff. I'm not used to that. That's not how I'm made. I need to do my own thing. People, this is another sidestep. Listen, do your own thing. Stop worrying about everybody else. So, David said, I can't use your armor, sir. I have to do this the way I know I can do it. See, because they didn't know. But while little David was out in the woods by himself, and there were the sheep, out came a lion, out came a bear, and he killed them. On his own, he knew he was capable of it. He knew he was. God was preparing him when he was all alone for what he was going to face when he got out in front of everybody. So when he got out there, he went down to the creek and he got five smooth stones. But it only took one because David knew what he was doing and he knew what God he served. And he picked up that rock and he put it in a... Uh, they called it a bag. It wasn't even a slingshot. So he had to make this out of survival mode because he wasn't going down to fight. He didn't even take a slingshot. He took a, a, a little bag that held the pebbles in it on his side belt. And he made that into the slingshot to throw at these people or at this man, at this giant. It wasn't even a man. It was a giant. So that's what he had used when he was uh, fighting those bears and lions and the in the woods so he runs after the giant you understand what I'm saying this little kid is mad I mean ultimately mad because the devil which is the Philistine done run his mouth and saying all these horrible things about his God and how he's not big enough and he's not strong enough and he's never gonna be defeated all of that, David's like, oh yeah, let's see what you got. I'm going to come at you. He ran towards the giant. And he said, let's do this. And he threw the slingshot. The rock inside came out. Or, you know, swung it, whatever. 
hit the giant in the forehead, knocked him down. David took the giant's sword and cut off his head. But now let's talk a little bit after that. Now that we got that little Bible study in. And again, I didn't grow up in church. I ain't claiming that I did. I'm just trying to help you guys realize that you you don't got to be perfect your whole life to be a Christian. I'm still struggling every day just not to cuss. I mean, you see it every day on the TV, on the radio, and everything else. That's a struggle that I have. That's sincere. And I'm trying to, to, not, re, to not do that. And, and God has helped me to renew my mind so that I don't want to. But back to the point that I'm trying to make. Little David, God's chosen, who killed the Philistines, the Philistine giant, to save Israel, his people, also committed adultery with a married woman. And then, not only did he do that, but his, but the woman's husband, her name was Bathsheba, the woman's husband was at war for him he was now the king and he had he had uh, seen Bathsheba bathing and wanted her while her husband was away so sent for the men to go take her and she brought her to the castle while the man that was out working for him was in war he also sent word to put him at the front of the line because that Sheba got pregnant and there was no way to explain what happened. So he put her husband at the front of the line so he could get killed. So in essence, he basically murdered the man. <clears throat> so then, not only did he do that, but he he had done multiple things throughout his lifetime that were not good for God. He struggled just like every other human being in the world. We are not exactly heavenly at this point because we are still half spirit and half flesh. And our bodies during fasting has to be crucified so that we can be more in the spirit. But I'm just telling you guys, those of you who are pointing your finger because somebody doesn't act godly, quote unquote, because they are saved and they need to be saved and, and they have a higher standard than me. They're supposed to live better than me. They're not supposed to do that. Oh, you call yourself a Christian. Oh, blah, blah, blah. No. Okay, hold on. Slow down. I wasn't the one who died on the cross. And all the people that you look at pointing your finger at them... They weren't the one that died on the cross. They lean on him. In fact, it says that he stands at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Basically, he's telling God, please forgive them just like he did on the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes we know what we do. But at the same time, people, they couldn't stop themselves from killing Jesus. And they were his people. So, you can't sit here and believe that people are going to be able to change who they are without, without the Spirit of God. And, and the fact that some people come from a bad situation and get saved, don't judge them. 
Here's my point. God has a purpose for everybody's life. And it ain't my decision when I get saved. It wasn't my decision when I d- walked away from church. It wasn't my decision when I stopped going to Faith Temple, which is my was my Baptist school that I went to when I was in the 10th grade. It wasn't my choice. Okay? Doesn't mean, sometimes it can be your choice. I mean, you. I, there's been times I've been in church, and, and I remember when I got saved, it scared the crap out of me because I'd never been in a Pentecostal environment before and I remember quite a few times leaving for a week or two then going back leaving for a week or two and going back because I knew every time that I left I was scared in my flesh but my spirit knew that's where I wanted to be because I felt freedom and I felt cleanliness like I'd never felt before by being in the spirit of God because he's holy, nothing else can be holy. The only way that we're clean is the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Period. It still don't mean you're going to be perfect because there's days that I'm too busy worried about my job and I don't realize every uh, spiritual thing that I need to be focusing on because I'm too busy focusing on that. Women are multitaskers can do multiple things but it's very hard because their flesh and the spirit wrestle with one another so when you see a Christian not in the spirit realize they're just like you and they ain't no different they got the same emotions they got the same anger inside of them they got the same everything we're made of the same flesh period everybody all humankind And so when people get angry, they're going to react in a way that shows anger. They're not in heaven yet, honey. When we get to heaven is when we will become holy and there will not be accepting any of it. You won't even remember these horrible things that we're going through right now and having to fight and the desires that you have for a cigarette. That's not going to be in heaven. Anything that can hurt, kill, steal, or destroy is not going there. Not. When you get there, it says that they only can focus on good things. They don't remember the days from the past as far as the pain and the hurt. They know their family. I got to read more about it. I'm not perfect. I told you. I just have heard things about heaven that I'm excited about. I've read books. I've watched TV. So I kind of get them all in there together. I'm no scholar. I don't claim to be. I don't want to be. I am just going to be happy to even crawl through the gates of glory. Okay, if I can just crawl through and make it across the border, that's all I'm saying. I'm just like, I got to get across the wall, okay? (laughs) I want to get in. So if I can just barely squeeze through the gate wall to get to glory, that's what I want. I'm not asking for no big, huge mansion. I don't need that. I just want, I live on the streets at this point. I don't have to be glorified and that's not what I'm asking for down here I'm simply telling people to love one another and try to be nice to each other don't be judgy please honey I get it you have things in your life that you still got to work on but you can't go making other people's lives miserable and talking bad about people that's not doing nothing for you or them you've got to straighten up a little bit here realize that we're all human and we can't do anything good honestly we can't do anything good 
without the Lord. If you've done something good, you'd be like, thank you, Jesus, because I know that had to come from you. We are evil-hearted. It says in the Bible that man's heart is evil. That's why Noah had to uh, build the ark. And, and the, all of mankind were, were wiped away. Do you know, though, that once Noah got off the ark after 40 days, he got drunk. He got drunk. And the sin completed and started again. And he was definitely, definitely a man of God. God chose him to survive. So, please, just try to refrain from calling out a Christian's faith as the reason they should act a certain way. Because the only time I'm ever going to be perfect is when I get to glory. Here on earth, I still have those same angry feelings. Here's the differences, okay? Well, with me, it's a little different. But I've seen people who have used to be really, really angry, really, really hurtful, really, really just ready to fight at the drop of a hat. And then once they got saved, they wasn't like that no more because God changed their heart and their mind. So it's not really a matter of some kind of miraculous thing or maybe even like you're thinking, oh, well, now she's saved. Now he's saved. Look, they think they're all that. Now they think they're all that, trying to be all high and mighty and tell me what to do. I ain't telling you what to do. The way I look at it is you're on your own. And God will call you if he wants you. It's God's decision, not mine. I ain't trying to win you over. I had a very important person in my life tell me that it's useless to try to draw somebody to God. I can't do it. And I'm not going to try to. I'll be honest with you. Here's my flesh. I love you, but you ain't that important to me. I'm worried about my own walk with God. I've got to worry about what I'm doing for me. I want to help you. I'm doing these things to try to help you and understand that this world is not the end. And we do have to work on our relationships. We let God in our heart, first of all, for those who are not saved. Okay? And I'm not saying... That I'm trying to push this on you. Because I'm not. But what I am telling you is. Is that's how I believe. And you can see witches trying to recruit other witches. And, and warlocks were trying to recruit other warlocks. And giving them their information. Giving them their stage. And giving them their potions. I'm going to do me. And I love everybody. Ain't no doubt about it. Even the ones who persecuted me. And the worst thing is, the ones who persecuted me the most are the ones that's closest to me. And said, oh, she used to be a shaky's girl. She used to be in the bars all the time. She did this and she did that. Let me tell you something. Even after that, even when I was saved, things happened to me that I'm not proud of. But it wasn't by my choice. I promise you, it wasn't by my choice. There were times that I thought, well, I know what I'm doing in this atmosphere. I'll just stay here and, and I'll go drink with my husband or I'll go to the bar and I'll go sing and I'll go, you know, whatever. I, w I was doing that, even saved. I've heard people tell me I went to church high as a kite, but I still went to church. So, if you would just open your mind and instead of sitting back and judging somebody before you even know them try getting to know somebody 
okay? Try getting to know what giants they killed to get to where they are. Because it's not like it's just notoriety. Some people may be like that. And I don't know who those people would be. But most of the Christians that I know is just trying to survive and just leaning on the Lord with prayer and supplication and trying to be obedient because they love Christ. They love him. He did what we could not do. He did what we could not do. Imagine your best friend and you, and you're in trouble, and somebody's about to kill you, and instead of you being killed, they jump in front of you, and they die. Basically the same thing Jesus did. Why wouldn't you love that person? Why wouldn't you love that person? I just feel like right now is a good time to, to try to help somebody come to the Lord right now. I know he is pulling at somebody's heart. I don't know who you are. I don't have this intended to do. I wasn't going to do this at all. This was going to be my gripe fest. But I feel like at the end of this, I need to do, I feel like God's leading me to do this right now. If you believe that you would love this man who took his own life, gave his own life so that you could go to heaven. That's basically what it is. Your best friend gave his life because you were supposed to be hanging on that cross. You were supposed to die for your own sins, okay? All of the stuff that I've ever done laid on that cross with Christ Jesus. So if you're feeling a tugging at your heart right now, you need to pray and say, Lord, please forgive me for all that I've done. I want to change and I want you to come into my heart and change me and make me part of your world. I want to be part of your world, Christ. I want to be heaven-minded. I want to be kingdom-minded. I want to be where the saints are. I want to understand all about you, Lord. I want to get into your word and learn these stories about these people in the Bible who have not been perfect. Even Elijah, he was a prophet. And guess what? He had went down and he had basically had a conversation with one of the leaders. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, a Bible person, okay, people? I'm just trying to tell you what I remember. So, anyway, long story short, it was proof about whose God was greater than the other God. Elijah's God was Jehovah God, and I don't know the other one. But they were out, and they had built an altar. Well, the one guy said, you know, I'm going to do this. I don't know what they did, but what amazed me most about the story, i got to get to that, was that Elijah went and poured water on this, on this altar, where, which is where you would normally burn your sacrifice to God, right? Well, do you know that he put water on it and God sent fire down onto that altar to prove he was God? That's how God used him, but not even a month later, I don't know how long it was, but the next battle that Elijah had, he was running from a prophetess. 
uh, Jezebel and was hiding in caves. And do you think that's what God wanted him to do? No, I'm sure it wasn't. But again, he is flesh. He is human. And this Jezebel woman had already killed all the other prophets but him. So that's why he was terrified. He's human. He's normal. He's When we get to heaven, we don't have fear. Fear's not going then. Fear's not going then. So if you're scared of something, you're worried about something, don't try to do this on your own. He already paid the price for you. You now get to take off the old coat of your pain, suffering, horrible feelings, all that. And Jesus wants to come in and heal every part of you. Heal your brokenness, your sadness, the grief that you may have about a family member, maybe even a divorce, because divorce is just like grief. Maybe you've left a church and you miss those people. God wants to come in and heal every single part of that. We are just like clay that's put on a wheel and the potter starts molding it. How pliable are you? Are you going to be pliable for the Lord to try to heal those broken parts? That's been my journey forever, it seems. But I know it's going to help me in the end and it's going to help others too. So I pray that you will listen to this and start thinking about things differently. Please don't judge other people. Their sins are their sins. That's what they battle with. Everybody here has some kind of sin because we are a fallen world. I mean, you talk about people with drug addiction, smoking, you know, all these things. I can't be a Christian if I'm this and this. But you've got people sitting in the church that's saying, oh, look at that person that's on drugs. That is judging. And that's also a sin. So let's get it together, people. <laughs> We're all in the same battle. We're all in the same boat. And basically, it's sinking. And without Jesus Christ as your anchor or your life lifesaver or whatever, I don't know what to tell you. Ah, okay, let's go back. <laughs> So if we're in a storm, the anchor's good. That's where that works. And then if you need a lifesaver and you're already in the water, you need a lifesaver to come at you. So you can look at it how you want to. If you're in a messed up, crazy world and your life is in a storm and you don't know what's going on, you can't figure it out. You're swishing around to every situation. You're being tossed to and fro. You need an anchor, and that's Jesus Christ. The next thing is, is if you're in a boat... Nope. The anchor is Jesus. The lifesaver is if you're in a boat and you fall off. There we go. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. I'm not deleting it. See, I'm not perfect. I'm showing you I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. Y'all going to be judgy if you're going to be judgy. That's fine. You're not my kingdom people. I'm looking for my kingdom people. I'm calling out to my kingdom people all the time. And if you're kingdom, let me know. I love you guys. If you want to be kingdom, let me know. I'm out for the kingdom. You guys take care. Love y'all so much. Thanks for listening. And remember, I'll see you around the merry-go-round.